Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And this is Dylan. And we're here to talk about games and culture and storytelling and just wax poetic, but like we always do. Um, we're, we're a couple of fucking art kids who like to talk about video games. Yeah, and uh, you're here, so that means yes. that that's what you've signed up Thank for. Thank you. We love you. Thank you for being here. Um, this week, Dylan. Mm-hmm. We couldn't possibly talk about anything other than Baldur's Gate, partially because it's all anyone's talking about. It's pretty big. And partially because it. as I was trying to come up with something to talk about, it's where my brain kept going. <laughs> um, but if you are here and you are not super interested in Baldur's Gate or, you know, you're playing it and don't want spoilers, don't worry, we're not going to get spoilery. And Baldur's Gate is more of kind of an intro to what we're actually talking about, which is this phenomenon that pops up, you know, not super frequently, but like, you know, on average, I'd say once or twice a year where a game drops and it becomes the thing that everyone is talking about. It is the game to be playing, to be discussing, you know. It's it's what takes over your Twitter feed is people posting clips and screenshots and, and discussion of this game. And right now, that game is Baldur's Gate. So I think using Baldur's Gate as a lead in, but then there's some other examples of this from the past that are interesting and worth bringing up in their own right. To kick off, Dylan, you are not mm-hmm. currently playing Baldur's Gate 3, right? No, I'm staring at it longingly from my <laughs> pile of games that I currently have. <laughs> fair what is your familiarity with the Baldur's gate series i remember when we were freshmen i think i was watching you watch um or maybe not maybe this was a different scenario but like i, I remember watching a video on dungeon design in Baldur's gate too um, okay I, th- I think you might have been there but maybe you weren't i don't have um, a strong memory of this but it's very likely i was there yeah i should assume so um, but anyway, I just remember looking at that video and thinking it was really cool. The uh, amount of complexity goes into that uh, that system, how it digitizes the Dungeons and Dragons um, tabletop system to yeah. such minute detail. Yeah. And that is what the series has always been. The first and second Baldur's Gate games were adaptations of, I think they were both using third or 3.5. Let me actually double check that. Oh, okay. So Baldur's Gate 1 was a basically a, an adaptation into a computer program of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition. Baldur's Gate 2, which came out in 2004, that was 3rd Edition. Uh, and now Baldur's Gate 3 is an adaptation of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition slash 
Dungeons and Dragons Next, which I think is what they're still calling this, like, you know, kind of still upcoming but partially rolled out uh, retooling of 5th edition. Oh, wait, really? I did not know that. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, it is more akin to, like, what 3.5 was to 3rd edition than it is, like, a right. new thing. Uh, they're keeping the most... Patch. Yeah, they're keeping most yeah. of, like, the base level mechanics the same. Uh, they're making some changes largely in the worlds of uh, character creation, some updates to classes to kind of give them a new feel. Uh, but it's all using the same baseline system underneath those mechanics for the most part. And yeah, Baldur's Gate 3 is now the third, well, more like the eighth or something, if you include all of the expansions and, and enhanced editions and re-releases and things of the previous games. Um, but it is a CRPG, computer RPG, very much following in the footsteps of the original Baldur's Gate games and things like the old school Fallout games, uh, Neverwinter Nights, and Ultima, Underworld, and this whole sort of genre of isometric, sometimes turn-based, sometimes real-time, sometimes a mix of the two role-playing games with big worlds and character classes and party management and all kinds of stuff like that. And it's a genre that's been not entirely dormant, but very much out of the kind of public zeitgeist for a as, while. As, as computer gaming kind of changed, uh, yeah. I, I feel like the computer RPG... Definitely went from like Baldur's Gates to your Elder Scrolls or something of that. Yeah, kind. I mean, that's a great yeah. point of comparison as you look at Fallout, like Fallout 1 and Fallout 2 are old school isometric CRPGs. Fallout 3 comes out on the 360 and it's a shooter with RPG elements. And that's, you know, maybe overly reductive, but that is a really clean uh example of the way that like you were saying the, the landscape of gaming changed and that style of rpg kind of went out of fashion not completely gone uh the the studio that made Baldur's gate larian oh i was i was gonna cite pillars of eternity but also yeah go yeah pillars go of ahead. eternity came out which is phenomenal really really good old school style crpg larian who's the company that made Baldur's gate 3 also put out uh Oh, what are what's the name of the stupid uh, game? Divinity. Yes, Original Divinity Sin, and Divi Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original yeah. Sin Two. Uh, thank you. I I see the names of them every time I open up the client to boot up Baldur's Gate Three. You <laughs> think they'd be more I did in my, my research. Brain. I did my research when I started being like, oh, should I get into Baldur's Gate Three? Or yeah. Should I play so, one of their other games that has? Yeah. I mean, the Divinity games also very good. Like. You would not have a bad time with either of those. It didn't seem like it. They seemed pretty cool. But yeah, like all this to say, it's not a genre that's been dead, but it's a genre that's very much fallen into the like, these are games played by people who grew up playing during the era where these things were all over the place and have nostalgia for the genre. And they're being probably made by people who fit that same description and want to, you know, modernize this system and modernize this type of game. But none of those games, Divinity, the Divinity Original Sin games, nor uh, Pillars of Eternity, took off anything like Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> it's been kind of crazy. Yeah, um, I think presentation's got a, a big thing to do with it, right? Like, I don't, I don't think computer RPGs typically have the 
I'm not going to call it cinematic, but like the presentation is certainly more integrated into the um into the story. Like you're you're not just reading text in like a little window. Yeah, they they definitely have brought some of that energy from and th- again, this is something that some of these other more modern CRPGs have done of like you'll mm-hmm. hear conversations happening from NPCs in real time as you walk around and like, you know, they'll have the text above their heads, but they're, they're fully voice acted conversations that you can just eavesdrop. And, uh, you know, there's cut scenes with, with for major set pieces and for conversations with characters to make things feel a little bit more lived in. I think part of it is also that tabletop role playing games are way more mainstream now than they were back in sort of the, the CRPG heyday. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, still not you know the most it's still a niche but it's it's, yeah it's a niche niche. but it's a niche that had a major motion picture released about the biggest thing exactly the biggest name in the game so like between things like the D &D movie and the popularity of things like critical role in the adventure zone and dimension 20 right i think more of the sort of general game playing population is tuned into tabletop role-playing generally and D&D specifically. So when you're like, hey, this game is just D&D straight up with like you roll virtual dice and add all your modifiers from your character sheet uh, to, you know, see if you pass checks in conversations. I think there is a larger audience for that than there has been in the past. And I think that Mm -hmm. that direct tie-in to a system that people are familiar with over something like your divinities where there's D they're D and D adjacent, but they're not just D and D. I think right. that's probably helping it also. And also it's worth saying the game's really good. Like I was about to say, like everything I've heard about this game is like people going, how did they do all this? How did they put this much into so it? it? It is a CRPG and it is also an immersive sim. Yeah. Or like it at the very least, it feels a hell of a lot like an immersive sim. I am I've, I'm probably like eight or ten hours into my first playthrough. Uh, I am still very much in the starting area of the game. I have accomplished, you know, a few major set piece sort of decision fork moments. And at no point did I feel like I was being led by the nose in any of the directions that I took, like. I would be presented with a choice. I would follow. I would be like, I'm going to do this thing. And that would branch out into multiple options. And that would branch out into multiple options. And it is genuinely staggering how much it feels like playing Dungeons and Dragons with a GM who's got like some pretty good notes going on to help them keep track of like what is reasonable for you to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, down to like... If you're if you're someone who plays D&D and you're a real like spiky min maxi power gamer, you can do that too. You can carry around like a bunch of crates. You can give your strongest person a bunch of crates to carry around and the minute combat pops off, you can be like, "Hey, drop all those crates, put them in a stack. I'm going to climb up to the top of them so I can have advantage on all my ranged attack rolls." Oh my god. Like wait, seriously? <laughs> yeah, you can just do that. I I uh I was having a really hard time with like a a combat encounter fairly early on with like sort of a boss enemy that I needed to take out for the storyline that I was trying to follow. 
but he wasn't initially hostile. I had like talked my way into the camp so I could get in and like chat with him and walk around him without him immediately jumping to violence. And after like kind of banging my head against it for a little bit, I loaded a prior save. I, I snuck into this back room, picked up a whole bunch of barrels of explosive powder, walked into his throne room, stacked barrels of explosive around him and all of his cronies, climbed up into the <laughs> rafters and shot them with a flaming arrow. <laughs> and it just like it let you do that. All right, dope. And the NPCs, as you're doing this, like, is there any kind of check you have to succeed or? I had to, I had to sneak to get into, I had to like either sneak into or talk my way past some guards to get to where they were keeping all the explosive powder. Uh But after that, like, nah, they were like, well, I don't know. That lady said you're cool. So like, I guess you're cool. Oh my God. (laughs) It was really funny. It's, it's a, it's a remarkable game. And I think that. So. I, I, I want to interject with a question yeah. real quick. Would you would you say part of this game's success is its um willingness to embrace the goofiness of Dungeons and Dragons? I think so, but I think that it does it in a way that feels earnest, earnest. and not yeah. like tongue in cheek. Like another another huge part of this game that I think really adds something to it is there is a a narrator. There is voiceover narration playing the part of like the GM describing what's going on, especially like more internal things. There's a whole mm-hmm. there's a pretty major plot element in this game that has you sort of having minor, you know, telepathic powers. And so whenever you are, you know, in someone else's mind or or experiencing side effects from these telepathic powers, the narrator kind of chimes in to help fill in what's going on, and it's it's done so it's, really it's well. Not unlike Disco Elysium, not unlike Disco Elysium, but rather than it being you know the different voices your of your subconscious, yeah. it's it's the voice of the of the game master. Yeah, and it one exceptionally well done voiceover, like really good performance. I let me look up this voice actress's name. She she also has been doing uh she's been putting up videos on TikTok of her bloopers from Oh god. Because she was in that booth for I don't even want to think about how many dozens of hours recording all of the narration for this game. Amelia Tyler uh is the narrator and again just does a an astonishingly good job with a lot of of words. Um but I think that that adds something to it too. Like they're they are, they are leaning into the improvisation as much as you can, and more than I would imagine. Like it, there have been so many moments, and that you get this in a good immersive sim too, where you think like, oh, there's no way the game is gonna let me do this. There's no way that like this idea I had is gonna be, you know, allowed to happen within gonna the mechanics this. of the game. Yeah, I haven't run into anything like that yet. Wow. Okay. Like, I haven't been. You know, I've been playing it pretty above, pretty you know, right over the plate. I haven't been trying to break the game or limit testing that hard. But I have yet to come up with a moment where, like, I think, oh, I wonder if this will work to get me through this, and the answer is no. Okay. Nice. All that to say, it's really cool. To see a game like this take over the public zeitgeist as much as it has. Absolutely. And and it's, but the fun thing is, like, it's not the first time this year. Like, think about when Tears of the Kingdom dropped. 
and yeah, everyone just kind of going crazy with the um, the vehicle building in particular. Yeah, another game where I, you constantly go, "There's no way I can do this." Right, and you and, and part of the fun is doing it, even if it's not like the solution. You just want to see if the game will allow it. Yeah, I don't remember if I brought this up on a previous episode, but I just remember. So there's the the whole like mini quest in Breath in Tears of the Kingdom with the Koroks that you have to like get back to their their buddy, right? Yeah. So I saw a video where somebody found they found like the Korok camp, like the the little camper Korok who was waiting for his buddy. And the Korok who was lost was not that far away, but on the opposite side of like a canyon. Okay. The guy who's playing the game uses fuse to stick a piece of frozen meat to his arrow. Okay. He fires the arrow across the canyon. He flies across the canyon fuses the piece of meat with the frozen arrow on it to the or to the Korok and then uses the time rewind power on the arrow to send it back across the chasm. <laughs> and I cannot believe that that fucking works. But again, it's Brett Legend of Zelda the immersive sim and they just built systems that would let you do bullshit like that. Okay, everything I hear about to like I I'm, I'm going to excuse me. I'm going to get back into Tears of the Kingdom soon, but, like, holy shit, everything I hear people doing in that game is, like, I just know that I'm never going to be that. Yeah, I can't be this <laughs> like, guy. I can't be this guy, but I want to. They're so cool. Yeah, it's not to get too navel-gazy, but I think there is something very, like, special and cool about a game coming out like that that just kind of brings folks together into a like yeah let's all play this weird game yeah let's all yeah. swap and, and, stories around the water cooler about what we got up to in breath of the wild yeah and, and like you Kingdom, said we've rather. been we've been getting those games back to back uh resident evil 4 remake oh um, my gosh you know, some, yeah I've, i had forgotten how big that was when it first popped off yeah uh you know some there's there's always a group of like purists who prefer the original but even ignoring that like the um remake just has so many like there's so much spontaneity to it um and i i think that's really kind of you know that seems to be the name of the game with like uh the most popular games this year just like people who are playing with those games and those systems and seeing what they can what they can produce out of that and yeah i'm sure that in a couple of weeks when uh when starfield not starfield is it starfield armored core i'm thinking about armored core right now Oh, and Armored Core is going to, like, Armored Core is what we're excited for. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, Starfield <laughs> is an, uh, the next Bethesda sci-fi role-playing game that's dropping on September 6th. So, like, Oh, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, like, a couple weeks from now. I'm sure that's going to be in the same position of just, like, taking over the conversation. But also, spare a thought for them having to follow Baldur's Gate 3 as an RPG. I think that's going to be rough. It'll be interesting. Be It'll be an thing. interesting. Yeah. I feel like the 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 game of the year convo this year is going to be very intriguing. For sure. I feel like I almost feel like Baldur's Gate has it in the bag, but it'll be interesting to see what other. I mean, if Baldur's any, Gate, but um, like again, Tears of the Kingdom was this year too. That's and that's what I'm saying. Like I would I would love for Tears of the Kingdom to you know have that shot as well, but I feel like there's a certain novelty or at least 
catharsis to this t- the type of game that Baldur's Gate 3 is being yeah. back in a big way. Yeah. Um that like I don't know if necessarily like, you know, Breath of the Wild came out relatively recently, so I'm not sure if Tears of the Kingdom has as much wow factor. That's true. A little bit less of a like who's that running in with the steel chair kind of story to it. Exactly. Just like the this is exactly what I needed and I didn't even realize it type of vibe. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what you were saying a minute ago about the common through line of the games we brought up so far have been those like those systems that kind of beg you to dig into them. Like, yeah, just the um, the idea of how else can I play with this or I mean, even even, you know, just like in the same way that you'd build a construct in minecraft just because you want to see if you can make it work or make it function you know i i think like mechanically that's what a lot of these games are providing even if it's not necessarily in the function of creating something yeah absolutely and i think that that's gets me to the kind of the other thing that jumped into my mind when i was when we were talking about this topic and i thought it was thinking of other you know games that took over the public consciousness Flashing back a few years to the early days of of the old COVID-19 when Animal Crossing New Horizons came out and that was everything (laughs) that that was very big. Um, It's it's really kind of quaint to think back on now, but like having a game where you could run around a virtual space curated by your friend was nice. Yeah. And like I I did that not infrequently during the early days of the pandemic like you know we yeah. organized me like all right everyone everyone come to so-and-so's island and we'll just like hang out on a discord call while we see each other's islands and having this thing while i mean obviously i think animal crossing was always going to be big like that was a, it was a great entry in that series and that's a series that mm-hmm. has always had a draw for people but the pandemic definitely i think Oh, yeah, that like yeah. suddenly nothing else is normal, but you have this game that is asking you to like build a little bit of a routine and giving you an avenue to socialize in a way that you kind of couldn't in the real world was really like kind of a lightning in the bottle thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't gone back to Animal Crossing as much since like midway through 2020. But man, I'm glad that it existed for that first few months. <laughs> right. Like it was genuinely a real a real game changer for the old mental health. <laughs> and I would argue that even if Animal Crossing is the type of game that could go on for years, like in terms of like collecting everything, like I think it it feeling that um it's scratching that itch. That's the uh phrase I'm looking for. It scratched an itch exactly when it needed to, and it scratched it, like, really fucking good. <laughs> yeah, like, incredibly well. But also, people got wild about that game on the internet. Remember when people were trying to buy specific villagers for real human yes. dollars? Yeah, wait, what? <laughs> Not for real human dollars? What? Yeah, people would be like, hey, I've got I've got the 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 nerdy cat with the horn rim glasses, and he's ready to move out. If you, I will sell him to you for human oh my currency. God. 
<laughs> no, I, I forgot about that. Yep, that was uh, <laughs> it was wild. I don't know why um, they did that. Uh, because like whole because, fucking websites sprung up to let people do this. Well, well, Chris, there there's a specific type of person who wants their neighborhood to look a specific type of way. <laughs> and Animal Crossing New Horizons, neighbors. also known as gentrification, the video game. There, there's, there are specific neighbors who just do not fit the aesthetic of the neighborhood. Yeah, you want them, you know, it's not that you don't like those, you just don't want them in your backyard. So you, you do some back alley deals and you get them to move out. God, Animal Crossing, <laughs> redlining. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm done. I don't have anything yeah. else on this one. Okay. Uh, was there another game we were gonna talk about? <laughs> I, I don't have any offhand. Maybe this is just a short one. Yeah, this this might just be a short one. Um, I want to talk about Bomb Rush Cyberpunk, but I'm actually going to play it after we're done recording. So gotcha. <laughs> I, will, I will probably have more to say on that uh, later. So yeah, that's, that's about all we had to chat about uh, for this week. A little bit of a shorter episode, but again, we're trying to make sure that we stay consistent with getting these out to you. And again, we want I at this point, given the culture online, I think we would just have our podcast taken away from us if we didn't do something about Baldur's Gate 3, so consider that box ticked. Um, <laughs> we, wow, you make it sound so transactory. <laughs> but no, genuinely, it is, a, it is a very cool game, and I have been loving, as someone who is a real big fan of old-school CRPGs, it has been very cool to watch an old-school CRPG kind of pop off online i'm, I'm like, happy it's taken off it seems like it's it's earned it yeah it's it's very cool and i hope that this leads to one more games like this being made and two more people like getting into the genre and and going and playing things like pillars of eternity and disco elysium and like you know going back and revisiting some of the older games in the series like you can get the old school you know fallout one and two on steam for like five bucks a pop and that's kind of rad. They're very cool old artifacts at this point that are worth checking out. So if you're playing BG3 and digging it, there's boy, there's a rabbit hole for you to go down as far as the genre goes. And yeah, I'm excited to see what the next game that uh, grabs us all by the scruff of the neck ends up being. Maybe it'll be Starfield. Maybe it'll be something that just kind of pops out of nowhere. We'll find out. I would have to imagine it's something that pops out of nowhere. Um, but it'll be, it'll be fun to see what, what that is whenever it drops. Yeah. And until then, thank you so much for listening to Backstage Gaming. Not until then. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, yes. don't, don't. You'll hear from us soon. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about the show, you can go to bsgpod.com. It's got info about the two of us and info about the show and a contact form if you want to reach out to us. And wherever you're listening to us, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher's actually may, might not exist anymore, so I have to work that out of my muscle memory. Oh, uh-oh. Um, but whatever podcatcher you choose to use to listen to us, if they have the option to leave a rating and review, please consider doing that. It helps boost us up in the algorithm and get more eyes and ears on what we're doing. Hey, Dylan, what about social media? All right, yeah, if you want to hit us up on social media, you can find us on Facebook and on Twitter, where our handle is at BSG underscore cast. Um, also, if you 
you know, maybe want to talk about like which major uh, genre d- establishing game uh, that came out this year. Uh, you know, if if you gravitated towards Resident Evil or Baldur's Gate or something like that, uh, let us know and use that hashtag BSGPod to um, you know, reach out to us. Also, huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art they have provided our show. If you dig their stuff, you can check them out at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. You can also find them on Instagram.com slash BrennanFrenchArts and on Twitter where their handle is at Brennan underscore French. You should also go check out our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio Volume 1 Instrumentality. And if you like that, you should check out the rest of his music. You can do that by going to soundcloud.com slash bioquery. That's soundcloud.com slash B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y. Or by searching for bioquery on Spotify. Thank you to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. If you like our show, you're sure to like some of the other shows over there. So go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. And thank you, as always, for listening. I hope you enjoyed, and we'll be back to talk to you more about games and all kinds of other nonsense in a couple of weeks. Take take care. See you, everyone.